Tonight we're going to talk about the prophetic. And uh, who, y'all get excited about the prophetic? Any, anybody in here who's like a real prophetic geek? You like buy all the books and you're, you, you go on ElijahList.com every day and see, see what's happening around the world. What? Did I say something wrong? Okay. <laughs> Um, I often say things wrong, so I just <laughs> but you'll get your money back if you don't like the service. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, the, the prophetic is really, really fun. I, I didn't know that I was prophetic growing up. I just thought that I was emotionally unstable. And, <laughs> and so like I would walk into a room and when I when I got there I, I felt fine but as soon as I passed in the room and there were strangers around suddenly anxiety or fear or I'd be thinking these thoughts about like unpaid bills but I was like 12 and I didn't have any bills and <laughs> And uh, it, it wasn't until a little bit later that someone uh, spoke into my life. I don't remember if it was a, a teaching or a mentor, honestly, but I just found out that often the Lord speaks to us that way. He uses our emotions. And if you aren't trained or, or if you're not paying attention, you can often just own them as your own. Um, and so if there's anyone in here tonight that's been experiencing that, you're not bipolar. I break that curse off of you in Jesus' name. You don't have uh, some sort of emotional or psychological problem. Um, you most likely have a gift that you're un untrained in. And, and I just release peace on you right now in Jesus' name. And for any of you that have a, a similar story to that, right now, Lord, I ask that you would show them how to use it for your glory and, for, and to advance your kingdom. Um, I grew up in a Holy Spirit-loving church. It's called the Vineyard Church. And um, it was a movement that started in the, in the late 70s by a guy named John Wimber. And he got to the point um, where he was a pastor over a pretty big church out in uh, Sacramento, California. And... He, um, he was reading the New Testament and thought, my church doesn't look anything like what I'm reading in the New Testament, basically. Why? And, I, and he couldn't find anywhere in the Bible where it said Jesus doesn't heal anymore, or Jesus, or the prophetic gift is, is dead. And he started to think that his church was pretty boring after reading what was going on in Acts. And so he decided that he was, gonna, he was just going to test it out. And so after service, he would invite the sick up. He would invite anyone who is injured or sick to come forward, and they would lay hands on them for healing. And do you know what happened? His entire leadership team got sick <laughs> from the sick people that came forward. And it was really embarrassing. Um, and, but he wouldn't give up. John Wimber, after every service, he would call up the injured and the sick, and his church a lot of people were really embarrassed. This was the 70s. They didn't do this sort of thing. They just, they had a, they had a program and then people went to lunch. But John wanted to heal the sick. 
And he couldn't find anywhere in the Bible where it said, you can't heal the sick anymore, or you can't prophesy anymore. And so um, his church uh, shrank down to less than half the size that it was. No one was getting healed, but he wasn't giving up until um, this one day... He had pretty much just had it, and, and this guy calls him up. He's part of the church, and he says, John, my, my wife is sick in bed and has the flu, and she's in a, just a real bad way. Can you come over and pray for her? And he's thinking, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to pray for one more person and not see them get healed. But he goes over there anyway, because that's what a pastor's supposed to do, and... <laughs> And lays hands on her, and um, her color comes back in her face. And she sits up, and her clarity is returned, her energy is returned. She stands up and starts cooking them all dinner, and she's completely healed, no more fever. And he, he doesn't believe it. <laughs> you know, he's, he's thinking that, like, she's lying or something, but... Um, He's eventually convinced that the Lord actually did just heal this woman through him praying for her. And he left that house really excited. And after that, miracles started flowing like crazy. And his church blew up. People were traveling from all over the world, hopping on planes and coming to his church because they were healing cancer, broken bones. They had crazy, miraculous manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And his church was looking a lot more like it did in the book of Acts. And um, it took a lot of risk. That's, that's actually what faith is. And risk never really feels like peace. Did you know that? There's, I, I don't know where that teaching came from. Like, I just don't have peace for that. I, I mean, no, no one get offended, please. But like, I just don't have peace for that. Well, the Lord is calling you to go risk your life. Of course you don't have peace about it. You have uncertainty. But the thing that is certain is that he's got your back no matter what. <clears throat> um, I would say that, that that peace be still is an internal reality that is working in soldiers that ferociously advance his kingdom. But they are going into seriously dangerous areas. They are doing things that scare them, that are completely out of their comfort zone. And if they relied on uh, you know, a, a moment of peace to go and take a risk, I would venture to say that they would have never taken that risk. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, it's, it's the exact same with the prophetic. You don't always know if that was really the Lord until you just step out and go for it. I mean, this happened to one of the greatest prophetic people of all time. His name is Moses. And his, his whole nation was held captive in, in Egypt. They were slaves, and the Lord was going to use Moses to deliver this whole nation called Israel. But what Moses had to do was just this small task of march in before the most powerful man on the planet and command that he release all of his slaves. No biggie. And Moses wasn't like, I don't have peace about that. <laughs> but 
I mean, he, he was arguing with God. Like, I think you made a mistake, God. Like, I don't even speak very well. I, I stammer. I stutter. I don't want to do this is basically what he's saying. And then he's like, God, how do I know that it's you who's telling me to go and do this thing? And God says, well, when you lead the people out of Egypt, you all will worship me on this mountain, and then you will know that I told you. In other words, go do the thing I told you to do, and then after you've done it, you'll know it was me. Isn't that an exciting way for God to confirm his word to you? In other words, he's saying, risk. Just go for it. I got your back. I got, you, you can't make a mess that I can't clean up. In fact, if you make a mess, I will think it's awesome because I'll be forced to come rescue you, but you were walking in what you thought was faith. I, uh, I didn't know... This isn't a slant or a, a, I'm not throwing a stone at a single church in the world. I didn't know that there were churches out there that didn't believe in the activity of the Holy Spirit. Because I grew up in this atmosphere where grandma was speaking in tongues and banging a tambourine. And the people were falling out on the ground, you know, from the joyful noise she was making. And, and like, there was, people got healed on a regular basis. And, and it, was, it was wild. But I, I, I just thought that was, I thought that was normal. And, and I spoke in tongues from when I was a kid. I, I didn't make a decision to follow Christ personally and give him my life until I was 12, but I was speaking in tongues before that. I don't know if that fits in your theology anywhere, but it's just what I grew up in. And um, <clears throat> where was I going with that? Oh, yes. So I didn't know that churches didn't, didn't believe in, in the activity of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the manifestations of the Holy Spirit or charismata, as you know the Greeks call it. Um, I just didn't know that... that it, it seems so weird, like you are doing the most lame parts of Christianity, and you're missing out on the relationship with the Holy Ghost. That's the great part of Christianity. Otherwise, it's going to feel like a bunch of rules. You're going to be really sad. No one's going to want to be around you. Again, no offense. I'm not throwing stones here, but this is re the reality. I don't want to go to a church where there isn't the Holy Spirit. And so um, I wanted to uh, just real quickly let you know that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in operation today. I, I don't know if there's um, anyone in, in here that, that hasn't heard that, and, and I'm not uh, judging you or anything like that, but I just want you to know that the gifts of the Holy Spirit will be in activity in activity until Jesus returns, and you can find that in 1 Corinthians 1.7. says, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and he says, you don't lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. And so there's a clear connection there that the gifts of the Holy Spirit will be in activity until Jesus returns. Um, a couple more. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's uh, kind of why I do what I do. It's Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Where it says that God gave some to be 
apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints and the building up of the body of Christ until we all uh, come to the unity of the faith, um, the mature man. Basically, we come to the stature that is of Christ. And so, if you look around the church as a whole, would you say that the church is as powerful as Jesus himself? Does the church look and act and heal and have the faith that Jesus did? Not really. We might be like, it would be encouraging if we were 11% of the way there. I would, I would think that that would be awesome. Um, but we're, we're not. The church doesn't look like Jesus yet, but we're going to. But that verse right there shows a clear connection between things like the apostolic uh, gift or the apostolic office and the prophetic office being in activity until the church looks exactly like Jesus. And so since the church doesn't look exactly like Jesus, we know that the prophetic is still working. We need it. We know that we still need healing. We know that we still need tongues and interpretation of tongues. We know that we still need the gift of miracles. That's a cool one. I'd like to have that, Jesus. Give me the gift of miracles. I mean, that's the pow factor. Like, what? what? <laughs> okay, I will give my life to Jesus. You just levitated. Like, <laughs> there was a wall there. You just walked through it. You didn't even use the door. I'll give my life to Jesus. <laughs> in, uh, in 1 Corinthians... 14, it talks about, um, both 12 and 14, it talks about how great um, the prophetic is. There's this one really cool verse, I, for, I forgot to look it up, but you can find it. It's either in 12 or 14 where it says, if, if an unbeliever comes into your service and you're prophesying, then the secrets of his heart will be revealed and falling on his face, he will declare God is truly among you. Face plant salvations come through the prophetic ministry. <clears throat> okay. There's plenty of other verses that I can uh, talk about to back up why um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in operation, but I don't think that I need to with this group. Y'all are like a, a stallion that needs to be restrained instead of a donkey that needs to be whipped. <laughs> right? <laughs> you're, you're the go get them, let's go try this out kind of people. I know you guys. Um, Jesus functioned in the prophetic, and when he did, it was cool. Um, this is not a complete list, but I, I just went through some of the, the New Testament, and I wanted to see the ways that Jesus functioned prophetically. In John chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus uh, is talking to a Samaritan woman at the well, which is breaking several cultural norms and rules. Um, but he's doing it anyway because he's Jesus. And um, he basically knows that this woman has had several husbands and the man that she's with right now is not her husband. And so Jesus in this moment, he saw kind of like a lot of this woman's life. I don't know if, he's, if he like saw a, a quick movie of everything she's ever done or if he just got some details, but we know that this woman gets so radically saved that she goes back to her town 
And just her testimony has so much power on it that many, many, many people in that village give their life to Jesus. That's the residual power anointing on a really good prophetic word. You might prophesy over one person and lead them to the Lord and never see him again, but there's so much residual power and faith on the word that you gave them that they go and save tons of people. That's going to be in your account. Isn't that cool? I want a big fat bank account when I get to heaven. I want those rewards. I'm going to get them. In John 6.14, Jesus he knew the intentions of a whole group of people. Um, he knew that they were going to try to make him king by force. He just knew it. So he knows our intentions. Um, this one might throw a, a little a wrench in, in theology, but um, I actually found out that Jesus functioned in the prophetic through reading minds more than anything else. He's a mind reader. Did you know that um, the Lord will entrust to you the secrets of people's hearts? The secrets, things in, in their life? But you have to be someone who can keep a secret. The, the king won't bring someone into his close counsel up to his throne and share secrets with someone that he doesn't know can keep secrets. Because... The kingdom could be overthrown by one loudmouth, right? Who goes out and spills the beans. But if you're, a, if you're the kind of person who develops a history where you can value and keep secrets, then the Lord will share them with you. And he will, you'll actually um, read minds. This has happened to me on accident twice. I'm not saying that I had to ca the character to walk in it. It just happened to me twice on accident. One time was really cool. I was playing cards. And um, <laughs> we were playing hearts. And my, my buddy Aaron had two cards left. I was not counting cards. I'm not that brilliant. But I was just joking around because he was slow playing. He wasn't going to like play a card because he was really debating. And I just said, oh, Aaron, all you have left is a six of hearts and an eight of spades. And he looked at me and went, and threw his cards down. And it was what they were. It was just completely on accident. There were a bunch of people. All my buddies were there. I felt so awesome. <laughs> that prophetic moment was really good for nothing. Um, <laughs> Uh, other than to build, you know, my own faith. It was just a cool moment. Uh, no one got saved. We were already saved. <laughs> but I did win the game. Um, but no, Jesus uh, in Matthew 9, 12, 22, Luke 6, 9, and 11, these are all separate instances of Jesus reading minds. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Jesus could also prophesy the future. He did that in Matthew 24. He prophesied all sorts of future events. Another way that is really cool that Jesus functioned, the prophetic, is he could spot a, a, a verse from the Old Testament, a verse of prophecy, and say, that verse is confirmed right now. <laughs> he did it with like Isaiah 61. He started just reading. He, he busted open a scroll in front of all these religious leaders and, and, and scribes and stuff, and started reading Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, is anointing me to preach good news, yada, yada, yada. And then he rolls it up and says, that's fulfilled right now, right here. 
The Spirit of the Lord is on me, and I've come to proclaim release from those who are held captive. It's the, it's the year of the Lord's favor. I'm going to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm going to fulfill that prophecy. Um, this is kind of a cool thing to think about. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor before God and man. He's 100% God, and he is 100% man. There's no 50-50 split or 70-30. He's all of both natures. <clears throat> but he actually grew in wisdom and stature and favor. Do you think that maybe one day he was reading some of those scrolls? And, and it suddenly dawned on him, that's me. It happened to jo Josiah. He was the youngest king to tear, I mean, he was the youngest king in Israel, but he also walked in all the things the Lord commanded. He tore down the high places. He restored so much of Israel's heart to God. But Josiah was, they discovered these, uh, he, they discovered the scrolls under Josiah's reign. They, they found them, you know, down in the basement, dusted them off and started reading it. And do you know what was in there? Um, I, think it's, uh, I think it's Isaiah, but one of the prophets actually prophesied of Josiah by name before he was even born. Josiah read his name in the scroll. Isn't that crazy? He came out of there like a, and all fired up and tore down the high places because he just found out who he really was. It was because of the prophetic. Just fun stuff to think about. <clears throat> so why do we prophesy? Anybody know? Why, why, would, we, why would we want to give someone a prophetic word? Yes, all of the above. So why aren't we doing it? Well, I think, I think that... Um, we actually have this misconception that we're not hearing God or, or we're not like, you know, that other prophetic person. But what the word says is that his sheep know his voice, that all of us are actually hearing from God. But where the disconnect usually is, is we don't realize that he is speaking to us or he's speaking to us in a way that we didn't know God spoke that way, like through our emotions. Or just a picture that comes in, into your mind. Or you walk out to your car in the morning and it turns into a transformer and stands up and talks to you about the mysteries of God. Like there are random things <laughs> that God will do. He will do things you've never seen before. And, um, and so really where the disconnect is is that we just, we just don't realize the way that he's speaking to us personally. Some people are seers, so they see visions. Some people predominantly hear things. Some people get a lot of impressions. In other words, they just know something, but they don't know why. Kind of like what happened to Jesus when the, the woman touched the hem of his garment. Jesus, he only knew that virtue just left me. Vir virtue just proceedeth from my robe. And he turned around because he had an impression. And he was like, who touched me? Who was it? 
Um, one of my mentors used to say pretty often, don't miss the supernatural by looking for the spectacular. Most of my prophetic victory stories and, and uh, people, you know, coming to the Lord or getting healed or getting their hearts set straight through a prophetic word came through something that I could have so easily dismissed as my own thoughts, my own imagination, or something weird I ate. It just came in a way where I, I could have so easily thrown it away. But um, there's this verse, this section of scripture in, in Luke 11. It starts in uh, verse 5 where it says, um, I know we're, we're just about out of time, but this, this is where we're going to end. It says, suppose one of you has a friend who comes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has come to me on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers and says, I'm in bed. My children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. And then it says, I tell you the truth, though not because this man is his friend, yet because of that man's boldness, he's going to get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say unto you, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. And then it goes on to say, which one of you fathers, um, if your son asks for a fish, would you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And so it started off as a little story, a parable, about a guy knocking on someone else's door, real late at night asking for bread, but the story, what that guy is actually asking for is the Holy Spirit. Bread represents a word from God. And so... Um, this guy isn't, is actually knocking on your door. And what you're essentially saying is, I don't have anything to set before you. But I know someone who does. And so, it would be like, you know, I'm in bed, all my children are in bed, and someone starts pounding on the door at one in the morning, and I answer the door, and it's some dude from down the street, and he's saying, I know it's crazy, but my family just showed up on a long journey. I have nothing to set before them. Please give me some food. And I don't want him to wake up my kids, so I'm going to give him all the food he wants. And that's, that's like our job description in the prophetic you're, you are going to continually have people coming to you on long journeys that are starving. They are starving for a word from God. And you are going to be the person that goes and knocks on God's door. Until God gets up and gives you bread. And that section of scripture actually says, when you're asking for someone else, God's going to give it. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. It's not a maybe. It's a 100% of the time. Because in that moment, you're demonstrating selfless love, which is a rare thing. It'd be like my son coming home from school someday and saying, Dad, I need a new pair of sneakers and some school supplies. And I say to him, you know, Judah, you know, I'll go get you some, some stuff sometime this week. You know, we'll go, to, we'll go to Walmart. But I'm like, 
but you have new sneakers and you have school supplies. Why do you need this stuff? And he says to me, well, one of my friends in my class, his family's poor and he's got really old, nasty sneakers and his kids make fun of him for his sneakers and he doesn't have school supplies and he's getting behind in his work. And I'm, I'm thinking, my son, <laughs> you are amazing. I mean, I would scoop him up, put him in our minivan and go and empty out the school supply aisle and buy him some little Air Jordans to give to his friend. Because he just came to me and demonstrated a love that I want him to walk in more than anything else. Yeah. That is why the Lord gets so excited when we go to him asking for things for other people. Because in that moment, if that was my son, I would send him to school with a care package and he would be Jesus to that young boy, that young poor boy. He would be Jesus on the earth to him bringing him good things. And that is exactly who you are. When you go to the Lord and ask him for bread for someone, for a word for someone, that is exactly who you are. You are Jesus on the earth, and the Father is going to scoop you up in his arms and give you as much as you want. We just have to recognize how he speaks. Sometimes when I've asked for a word for someone, you know, something dances across my mind's eye and my imagination, and it's, you know, a, a purple orangutan, you know, with a skateboard. And I'm thinking, God, I'm sorry for uh, my vain imaginations. Um, I'm really trying to hear you, but I just saw a purple orangutan on the skateboard, and, and I see it again. I'm like, God, I'm, give me a word for this guy. Like, seriously, help me out here. And purple orangutan on a skateboard. And I'm like, all right, God, I'm believing that you just gave me a picture of a purple orangutan on a skateboard. What then dost thou mean? <laughs> and, he, and I start, you know, I go into an interpretation with him. I, I start asking the Lord, what does this mean? And, you know, um, orangutans dwell on, you know, high places of the tree. They have no problem going up in, into the heavens. And purple means royalty, usually. And skateboard means youth, young people. And so this guy is a youth pastor that people think is goofy, like an orangutan, but he actually knows how to get up into heaven better than anyone else. And he brings a revelation of the Lord's royalty to all these children in the youth group. Well, then you got a word, right? <laughs> But what it started off was, was a, a purple orangutan on a skateboard, which you could have tried to kick to the curb. But it was the Lord actually giving you a piece of revelation. I've screwed this up so many times, guys. I've made enough mistakes for everyone in this room, in the prophetic. And, and so you can just learn from my mistakes and trust me that when you ask the Lord for something, for someone else, the next thing that pops into your mind the next thing that you feel in your, in your body, you might be feeling a pain in that person's body. The, the next thing that you maybe start worrying about could be the very thing that that person's worrying about. If you even start going back into one of your old memories, that pertains to that person. I dare you to try it. It's really fun. And it, and it launches you into this really cool 
relationship and history with the Lord where you get to see him show up and people just get slammed by the Holy Ghost and and filled with joy again and their hearts get healed and people get saved and it's all because of a purple orangutan on a skateboard. Seriously, it is it seem it seems that foolish, but it is the wisdom of God. If you go through the prophets of the Old Testament, they saw weird stuff that meant things completely different than what they saw. But the Lord used what they saw to tell them what he was trying to say. Okay? Well, let's uh Let's pray. We're gonna, um, Jared's actually going to do another teaching on the prophetic in a couple weeks. And we're going to have a lot of time to uh, practice the prophetic th- then. But let's pray and ask the Lord to increase the prophetic in our lives. And ask Him for specific people to test us out on. 